Welcome back to Premier Sports Academy guest speaker series brought to you by Sportscraft Source for Sports. All right. Hey, guys, we're back again. Um, episode nine of our guest speaker series here today. Um, thanks for everybody that's been watching. And today we have uh, Kyle. I, I'm not sure how to pronounce your last name. I don't want to but- butcher it on you. So I'll let you do the intro and let you kind of give our viewers some of your background. Hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, Kyle Fillier, former teammate of Ryan Sweeney's, uh, now now turned baseball coach here in, in Toronto with the Toronto Mets. Uh, happy to be here. Good to, good to sit ba- sit down and talk to you guys a little bit about baseball, everything that's going on, some of the stuff that uh, I've experienced in my past as a former player and now coach, uh, and, and having a good chat with you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. Um, for the people listening at home, why don't you just dive in a little bit into your uh, baseball resume, you know, where you played as a, as a little kid growing up, and then eventually you're moving to rep programs and then eventually the, the collegiate ranks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, as a young guy, I was growing up, I, I played with East York for a number of years, I think since I was about four. I uh, was cut a couple times from the program, so had to got to experience a little bit of uh, a failure there as a young guy and, and, you know, really, really helped me drive and propel myself forward and, and understand what it's like to work and, and or work hard and, 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 you know, make teams and so forth. So I think I played with East York until I was about 14. Uh, we, we played in a tournament. I remember at Kirky Park in Pickering or Kirky Field in Pickering, and, and it was a Team O tournament. And by chance, you know, had a lot of exposure there with uh, the Team O coaches that were around at the time. And so ended up making, making Team Ontario, which I, I, I don't recall which league that was. It was a smaller league at the time. I think it was the PBLO that they were in. Uh, so made it, made it, made it onto the Timo team. Had a lot of opportunity there. Uh, that that program was just was riddled with phenomenal baseball players. I mean that there was guys on the national team, left, right, and center. So you know, having the opportunity there to learn and and work with these guys and, and understand what it's like to be an elite level player. Because at the time, you know, we didn't have that much exposure. We we traveled a lot with East York. We we did we did get to do a lot of U.S. trips, but you know, never at that elite level with those kind of players. So it was really, it was really a coming to experience for me, you know, from there, spent a couple of years with Timo. Uh, you know, after that, after my time with Timo, we, we kind of took it upon ourselves. And by we, I mean, my, my parents and I, uh, and, and got to travel around a little bit, uh, go to, go to some pro tryouts, go to some, some D1 workouts and stuff like that. And, it was a really, really good time to get exposed before I came back home and, and jumped in with the, the Toronto Mets, which that program was actually just getting started. Uh, John Jepson was the uh, the founder of the program and, and took the program up and, and ran with it. So spent some time with, with the uh, Toronto Mets. And at that time, there was a lot of players coming over from Team Ontario and other programs uh, around the GTA and, you know, playing with guys like like Morgan Kilty and, and Jeff Cowan, um, uh, geez, Branson, Wilson. Joseph Wilson. Yeah. Oh man. Mike Wilson, phenomenal left-handed pitcher. I think he, he was a U Michigan guy, uh, tons and tons of different kinds of guys, different exposure. And then, you know, guys that I grew up playing with or playing against, uh, in the GTA, 
So again, just, just more and more exposure and the Mets just kind of took off from there. Uh, and then from that point on, uh, we moved on to the, uh, the Ontario Blue Jays. Got a lot more exposure there with, with the Blue Jays and, uh, you know, had, a, had an opportunity to represent my country, which was, which was pretty phenomenal in itself, right? Uh, you know, we, we started off with the, the Canada Cup. So we, we played as uh, Team Ontario. We, I remember we were, uh, it was in the finals uh, the Canada cup just before that whole selection period, which was a really crazy time. But, you know, we, we ended up beating uh, BC who had Brett Laurie on the team at the time, you know, didn't know that he would end up being my, one of my teammates and, and so forth like that with the national team. But that was crazy, man. There was like 7,000 people in the stands and and we were out West in Alberta. That was crazy. And, and so forth. And it just kind of, it, it, it went on from there. Uh, from that point, I moved on to Connor State College in Oklahoma. Spent two years there. What a what an experience, man! That's just that's baseball. That's baseball city, man. Small small town in 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 the southern point of Oklahoma, and and it was just baseball, man. Twenty four seven baseball. Uh, Perry Keith, phenomenal coach, Hall of Fame coach. Was an honor to play for him. Learned a lot from him. He took me under his wing, and you know had guys like Jordan Castaldo and Peter Bacco. Marcus Connect, bunch of Canadians, Cam Gray, a uh, bunch of the boys from up here that I had a chance to grow up and play with. Um, you know, we played together at the collegiate level and just tore it up, man. It, it was crazy. Lots of my boys from New York. I know you guys are tuning in. Uh, thanks for checking us out. But, you know, it, it was great, man. All my buddies from Oklahoma. From that point on, I spent a year at Bossier Parish Community College in Louisiana. Uh, I ended up actually getting hurt my second year at, uh, at Connor State and tore my UCL in my, in my left arm. Uh, and it was terrible, man. I was starting to ride the wave, starting to play a lot more. I uh, just hit my first walk-off home run as a, as a freshman against one of our arch rivals. Was, that was crazy. But, you know, experiencing that injury, uh, it, it, it opened up a lot of a lot of different doors for me. And I, I, I didn't look at it as a positive thing at the time, you know, you're young and, and you don't have the, the, the mind, the mindset to, to really push yourself forward. And that's no excuse at, at the time. It's just where I was. Uh, and, and I, I didn't take advantage of that. So I, I came back my second year uh, at Connors it took me a while to get rolling, but finally did. And, and, you know, I took off, had a phenomenal season with, with, uh, with Connors and, Things didn't end up working out for me there uh, in the sense where, you know, I, I, I needed to uh, I needed to experience some other things and, and you know, see where I was at as a player. Uh, and, and that's no knock on Connors. Connors gave me everything I needed to succeed. Uh, and then from there, I moved on to Southern Arkansas. Um, what a what a place to play baseball, man. You know, one of the one of the top division two schools in, in, in the country. Uh, producing players year after year uh, in the draft. I remember Hayden Simpson was, uh, when I was going in there, Hayden Simpson was a top draft pick out of, out of SAU. He was, I think, 13th overall in the draft with the Chicago Cubs. And there was just scouts and fans and people everywhere, man. And, and what a program. I, I learned a lot from those guys, Coach Browning, Coach Pettigrew, phenomenal coaches out there. Uh, and, and that's kind of where, where I started to, to see some failure as a player, uh, you know, I was experiencing some injuries. There was guys that were just hardworking guys that, that I had to compete with. And I just, I couldn't mentally uh, surpass that. And I couldn't get over 
you know, some of the ailments that I had at the time. And it really, it really, you know, brought me down as a player. And, and I, I, I had to find ways to succeed there. And, and it was, it was really hard for me. So, you know, all that said, and, and came home and, and started playing a little bit of senior ball, had a couple stints in Intercounty. Um, and from that point on, it, I didn't fall out of love with baseball. I, I kind of fell out of love with playing at the moment. And, and I, and I was looking for something else. And, Long story short, I ended up connecting with Ryan McBride, who, who's now the president of the, the Toronto Mets. And, you know, he gave me an opportunity to come in there and coach. And I've been coaching with the Mets since 2015, took a, took a little hiatus after my son was born. But, you know, the, the Mets is, has been my, my home. And, and you know, I, I have some phenomenal colleagues, guys that I coach with, with some tremendous backgrounds there. Uh, and I've learned a lot from those guys. Some, some guys that I I now coach with coach me growing up, which was really, really cool to experience. Hear some of their stories about me as a player and some of, you know, our, our, uh, my, my former teammates. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you, it's a phenomenal program. Uh, the, the CPBL is, is a phenomenal league to be a part of, uh, you know, the coaches, the, the, the teams across Ontario, it, it's, it's wild, man. Watching some of these players come out of this league and, different kinds of programs. It really is tremendous to be a part of. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. So I remember, I can't remember if we played team Ontario together or not, but I remember you came on the summer tour with us with the, with the Terriers when, after I'd moved over to the Terriers. Um, I remember you did some, some scouting, uh, I think some combines and, and different workouts leading up to that uh, trip. Can you talk just a little bit more about those showcases that you were doing and what that experience was like for some of our athletes that are listening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we decided that it was time to, to, to try some different things. And, and again, it was exposure, right? That's, that's what it was all about was exposure at the time and, and understanding what competition was like South of the border. I, I mean, you know, these guys have a lot of opportunity to be outside 12 months of the year and, you know, different kinds of avenues to, to, to be successful. So, you know, my parents and I, we just, we packed up some bags and a bunch of bats and gloves and all my stuff. And we toured, we toured around, uh, we did workouts at Purdue university. We did workouts for the Cincinnati reds um, at, at U Louisville. I'll never forget that showing, um, you know, did a, did a stint with the, the Pittsburgh pirates and from that point on, actually, I showed pretty well with the pirates and uh, they had a scout team going. And I got to jump on the, the, the Allegheny Pirates scout team um, with them and, and meet a bunch of guys and play there. And it, it just kind of snowballed from that point. And, and it really helped me with my confidence uh, as a player to, to just do it on my own. You know, I didn't have any teammates. I didn't really have anybody to, to kind of relate to at the time. My, my, my parents or, or, you know, my mom and my stepdad at the time, you know, they, they didn't know much about baseball, although – you know, my dad's a, a, a staple in the in the game of, of baseball in Ontario. He's, he's been around forever and a day. But, you know, we we just we tried something else. And, and I'll tell you, just seeing different kinds of arms and different kinds of players and how they stacked up while traveling around. It was it was really good. It was it was good for me as a, as a player, as a person. It really helped me grow up and understand, uh, you know, some of the tools that I needed to be successful and what it meant to get to the next level. So, you know, I, I highly recommend if, if guys have an opportunity to expose themselves or just be an individual and try something out like that, it, it, it's worth their while. I mean, I know that we have 
lots of different avenues now where there's showcases left, right, and center, and, and different things are being put on for different kinds of players. I mean, you know, I, I recommend that players do their best to get out to some of these these showcases and, and just, you know, learn what it's like to match up against other guys who are, you know, working as hard as you and, and are as competitive as you and, and are talent, more talented than you in different parts of their game. So uh, there's a lot of value there for sure. Yeah, and you talked about it, uh, you know, giving you some confidence. I remember you, when you came right off that circuit and you joined us in Nashville. I mean, that was probably some of the best baseball I think you ever played those two weeks that we were in Nashville. You crushed the ball. You played excellent defense. I think you were playing a lot of t- second base for us in that tournament, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But, I mean, that was a phenomenal show, and that's when we we won the World Series, which was an incredible experience to, wow, to do that yeah. down there. And we walked through that tournament, too, which was also amazing. I mean, very yeah. few teams from north of the border that can say they've ever, you know, pulled that feet off. Now the Terriers seem to be doing it regularly now, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess, you know, getting back on the confidence part, um, you said in university you struggled with confidence. Was that a link to your injuries or your performance or, you know, because confidence can be so fickle. And in a sport like baseball, when you don't have your confidence, I mean, it can just absolutely derail your 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 abilities on the field. Yeah, it, it was crushing, man. I, I mean, you know, starting from the, the it, it kind of went from like a hamstring injury to the UCL tear to, you know, mild concussion and, and different nagging injuries that just, you know, didn't allow me to be at, at my best. Um, and, and, and again, I, I really think that that was a mental thing. I wasn't strong enough mentally to push myself forward and, and work through some of those ailments. You know, you see a lot of guys – now who, who, you know, treatment is different and, and different ways of attacking that is totally different. But, you know, that's what we look at. A lot of people don't focus in on the mental aspect and, and, and what it leads to being successful. And, and I, I lack that. That was one of the weakest parts of my game, I would say. You know, I had a lot of, a lot of different tools as a player, but I, I lacked the mental capability to be successful at the time. And, and you know, it, it took me a long time to get there. I think it was like after – I finished playing collegiate baseball where I really started to understand the mental side of baseball and started studying the game a little bit more. I became, I I became a student of the game after I finished playing and, you know, I I have no regrets whatsoever, but I will say that had I been in a, in a different frame of mind when I was younger, I I think that things would have, would have gone a different way, but again, no regrets. Um, You know, uh, it, it, now you, you, you see a lot of kids who are struggling in the cage or struggling on the field. And, and as coaches, our job is to teach them and coach them through these moments and really, you know, expose them to, to our failures. Right. And, and we need to do that. And we need to continue to do that with youth and, and let them know it's OK to fail. It's just it's how you mentally prepare. It's how you mentally get over it. Um, you know, we had a kid, Eric Senior, with the uh, Washington Nationals. Uh, he came into the facility a couple weeks back there. Uh, Coach Peter Angelo brought him in. And, and, you know, one of the questions to to Eric was, you know, how do you mentally prepare? And he, he said something that was kind of kind of neat. And, you know, in, in our in our time now, he said that, you know, from 630 in the morning until the time that we get back to the rooms, the cell phones are off. Right. Because it's a mental distraction and it takes away from the preparation because there are so many guys in the minor leagues that are working their tail off to take his job. And he says, I need to be mentally prepared. You know, I can struggle and, you know, I can strike out or I can make an error and things like that. But, you know, 
a lot of scouts are looking at how I mentally prepare and how I overcome these situations, right? So baseball is is a game of yeah, it's a game of physicality, but it's also it's a mental game, right? We know we we as coaches and, and as instructors, we need to be mentally prepared too to help these these young athletes succeed. So it's a big thing we preach now. It's it's a lot of the stuff we talk about. You know, it's the game is very data driven as well. But you know, we we need to continue to to form form these players and, and develop their mental side of the game. Yeah. No. Perfect. Yeah. It kind of uh, again, Kyle. You made some great points there on the mental side and uh, for yourself. Um, adversity. I think I think in your story and what you're going to kind of uh, express to our viewers today has a lot to do with adversity as you talk about your injuries and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, I want to talk about quickly as we move along in sort of your baseball career and your baseball resume, um, that experience uh, with Juco and going that route and kind of kind of the adversity there because a lot of kids and a lot of the athletes that we train here in Newfoundland and Labrador don't have an understanding of what junior college is really about and I mean if you look at it now the JUCO route you're getting guys that are drafted rounds one rounds two rounds three um it's it's a route to go now and even back then I mean Connor State for a long time was a Canadian hotbed so yeah it is down there and they did a lot of recruiting north of the border, a lot of OBJ guys going to Connor State. It was kind of like that hub. Um, but what was that like? Uh, again, going down to you, you talked about it's baseball city, it's Oklahoma, but it's also not Toronto. It's not a major city. It's not Ontario. It's not next to your family. So what was that? What was that transition like when you got to junior college? You know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, the the teams that I played for did help me prepare for the time away from home. Right. It, it give lots of credit to all the all the teams here in Toronto, the GTA, and you know, coming across the country too. They do a phenomenal job of preparing kids for for junior college. But you know, one thing one thing that that really really uh, is obvious when you get down there is the amount of guys that are on, on these junior college teams. There's lots of players on the team. Um, you know, some kids are, are in the programs just to, you know, come in, work hard, train, and then, you know, they're off to the, to the minor leagues. They're, they're getting drafted. They're getting ready to go. Um, and at the time that I went to, to Connors, I didn't, I didn't realize that junior college was not, you know, I, I didn't realize that it was there as a, uh, development phase in your career, right? That's what it really, it's a development phase in your career. Now, a lot of coaches in JUCO are, 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 you know, they're doing their job of developing you as a player, but they're also there to win. Right. And, and that's something else that you learn a lot about is, is yeah, you're there to develop as a player, but that's kind of on you. Uh, But you're there to win. And and I think the JUCO route, and I know that there's a lot of noise uh, or there has been a lot of noise about taking the JUCO route and, and things like that. Listen, man, I, I'm an advocate for junior college. I, I lived it. I, I breathed it. I, I went to a hotbed in, in, in Oklahoma, like I said. Uh, and, and you had mentioned that it's it's different than Toronto. Listen, it, it, it is a, a small, small town. There was a McDonald's, a stoplight, and a gas station, man. And, you know, Cowboy, <laughs> Cowboy Corner where we would go in and, and get a barbecue sandwich before a game. But, you know, all we had was baseball. And – you know, that's, that's all Perry Keith has ever had in his tenure there was just baseball and athletes. And, and it, it, you come out of there a man, 
Uh, I would honestly say a lot of us go in there as boys and you come out of, out of, out of that school as a man. And I think that all the junior colleges, a lot of the Southern junior colleges, they do a phenomenal job at developing players, man. They develop some dudes. I've seen a lot of dudes come out of that program. I played alongside a lot of some, some high class players. There's been a lot of high class players going through that program. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a, there's a bunch of guys who, who went on and played some big league baseball and, and, and really, really did well for themselves uh, moving forward. So, you know, for the, for the kids in the East coast, I, I would honestly say if you have an opportunity to experience junior college, it really is a good step in the right direction for your success as a player and, and to get to the next level. You know, you may not be ready for NAIA, D1, you know, D2, whatever the case may be. So you, you look at that as a progression step in, in the right direction. So I, I highly recommend it. Um, and, and there's a lot of different good things that can come from it. You, you might spend your two years there and next thing you know, you're in the minor leagues or, you know, you're, you're moving on to one of the top schools in the nation. It, it, it provides you with, with a lot of good tools to uh, succeed. So I, I, I would, I'm an advocate for it and I always will be. No, definitely. Yeah. It, and I mean, like, uh, talking about that you had the experience of playing again two junior colleges and moving on to a four-year school so again that that process and that kind of uh academically that process how did how did that work for you i mean again at the end of the day we're all out here again student athletes is kind of the word and yeah. i i think for us as ball players when we go <clears throat> when we go the college route the four-year route the canadian collegiate route um, at the end of the day, no matter what environment we're in, we kind of rely on the guys that are on the team and we rely on uh, those other, whether it's 25 or 35 guys. But at the end of the day, we're, we're all on a different academic route at some points. So for yourself, how big was that? I mean, how, how was that process academically? Because at the end of the day, being able to come away from a great school, have that experience as an athlete, and then get into the workforce with a degree after playing at a at university and then even the JUCO route. So, yeah, you know what? Uh, it, listen, for you to go away to school and, and, and whether it is in, in Canadian collegiate baseball or, or down in the U S JUCO, whatever the case may be, uh, we, we need to know and understand you are a student first and you're an athlete second, right? You were going to school. Um, uh, and to, to go down there and, and, and understand that there's two, there's two, it's twofold. You need to make sure that you're clean and clear in the classroom. You're taking care of business in the classroom because it allows you to perform on the field. And, you know, if, if you can't separate the two, you're going to struggle. Right. And, and naturally so. And, and that's another side of, of the, the mentality that you need to have when you go down to school, whether it be JUCO or university to take care of business in the classroom. And it's imperative, man. It, it really is. Um, for me personally, uh, I, I didn't take it as seriously as first because I thought, man, I'm just down there. I'm just playing baseball. That's, that's all I'm here to do. But it caught up to me real quick when I started to know and understand that, listen, man, if you're not performing in the classroom and you don't have a certain grade percentage, you're not going to perform on the field. Right. So the light kind of came on for me and I, I really started to understand what it took uh, in the classroom to be successful, um, especially when I got to Bozier. Uh, you know, I was struggling in a couple classes and, and I had a lot of good teachers who, you know, wanted to see me perform on the field. So they took a lot of time out of their out of their day to, to work with me in the classroom in certain aspects and help me graduate. 
um, and, and push me forward. So that that gave me a lot of confidence in itself. Uh, I, again, I, I do preach uh, student first, athlete second. And I know I didn't touch on that before, but it, it is an important factor when it when it comes to being successful at, at school. You know, the, the guys up here in, in Canada, you know, I talked to Skelly a lot. I uh, spoke to Skelly a little bit this, this afternoon and told me I had some pretty big shoes to fill when it came to uh, <laughs> his most recent podcast. So uh, I'm going to try and do my best for you, Skelly. But, you know, and, and for yourself, when, when you guys were coaching up here, uh, it, it, school's huge, man. School's huge. It, at the end of the day, if you don't, when you don't have baseball and you have an education or something to fall back on, it, it really does help you with your succession moving forward in the future. And it bodes well. Um, so, you know, take that stuff seriously, guys, if I can really tell you anything, or if I can drive any message home is that, you know, baseball can end just like that, any injury, any slip up, anything of the sort. But if you have your education to fall back on, it's really, really going to drive your success in the future. Yeah. And that's a good point. One of the things I guess I'm, I would wonder about is, is Connor State was a bit of a Canadian hotbed. So I imagine when it came to their course credits, they were probably a little bit better than some of the JUCO horror stories we hear in terms of untransferable credits to other schools. I mean, can you talk a bit about that? Because if, if, if your route is not linear and you do have to kind of navigate, you know, those steps, you got to kind of progress. It, it is important to also, you know, understand the academic um, offerings from the schools that you're potentially going to, right? Because we've all heard the stories of a guy that two years at a school and none of his credits, credits transferred, right? Yeah. Uh, they are horror stories, um, you know, and it, 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 some schools do kind of promote that and some don't. Where I was, when I was at Connor State, you know, we had a lovely lady named Angie Lane, um, and she did a phenomenal job at making sure that, that her, she referred to us as her sons, you know, we're, we're doing the things that we needed to do to get to the next level because she understood alongside Perry and, and, and Bobby at the time, they understand and they know that they got to get you off to the next level and, and, and you're representing their brand, right? So they do everything that they can possibly do to ensure that you're taking care of business in the classroom. You know, you have all your electives, you have all your courses in line to get to the next level. And, you know, I remember sitting in, in Coach Keith's office looking at, you know, my, my list of classes and everything that I had in front of me and saying, all right, well, look, this is what we need to do to get you to the next level. These are the classes that you need to take. This is the thing that you need to do. You know, it, it's not just about getting the hours. You know, it is about getting the necessary credits to help you, you know, move on and be successful. So to me, they are horror stories in a sense. They, they're not all true, um, you know, fact versus fiction kind of thing. And uh, I'm, I'm living proof of it alongside a lot of my, my former teammates and colleagues now, right? So take care of your business in the school or in school as well as on the field. And, you know, lean on the people that, that are, that are there with you, that are there to guide you and help propel you forward. No, great advice. For sure. Yeah. Man. And um, jump. Sorry, go ahead. No. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to jump, uh, jump ahead and kind of ask uh, one thing that we really wanted to touch on. So uh, when I read through your bio, it said that you played again, you've had some experience in inter-county baseball. So the inter-county baseball league for our East coasters, who don't know uh, premier league in Ontario. There's guys that are coming from all over the Dominican Cuba. There's been uh, ex pros. I mean, 
former pros one year removed from professional baseball that come and play in the intercounty league. And um, you had a four game stint with uh, the Barry Baycats that I wanted to touch on very quickly as we move along in this. And uh, so what was that? Why was it just four games? What happened there? You know what? I, I came back home, had a pretty good, the, the season before had a, had a pretty good year with the Oshawa Dodgers. I, I'm pretty sure we actually made uh, the intercounty playoffs for the first time as, as a, as a division or as a team. Sorry. And, you know, we were, we were real successful there. And so I came home and, and that team ended up folding. So I came home and went and played up in Barry. I was living in Campbellford, Ontario at the time, which was quite a jog from, from Campbellford <laughs> to Barry. It was like two hours, two plus hours. Uh, but I'll never forget, uh, we were playing Brantford uh, up in Barrie. It was like a Saturday night, you know, lots of fans in the stands. Those guys are real, real notorious for that. And, you know, playing against guys like Hung Cho, Lee Delfino. Um, it was just, it was a, it was a different kind of atmosphere. And I was playing second base for the team and, and hitting higher up in the order for them. And I'll, I'll never forget the night that, it all just kind of fell apart for me, man. I, I was, I felt like I was out there on my own. I made four errors in like, I think it was like four innings. So it was, I was like an error in inning. And one of the errors I remember, and, and Scotty Logan was playing first base. And I just remember I tripped over my shoelace and I zooted into the stands, man. And it was just like the worst feeling in the world. Uh, ended up going like three for four that game. And it was like so embarrassing to me as a, as a young player against like all these successful guys, you know, Paulie Spall Jarek was out, out there, you know, former <laughs> Toronto Blue Jay. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And it was like, it, it, it was a real, real low point for me in my career at the end of it all, you know? So I went, I, I went up to a buddy's cottage that night after the game and, and whatever happened. And I, and I, Ended up didn't I, I didn't make the bus the next day for a trip out out to London, and I kind of just walked away. You know, I, I walked away and I thought, you know, this travels too much for me. I was making excuses. You know, I was full of excuses because I wasn't dealing with the root cause, and the root cause was my my inability to mentally surpass what had happened the night before. Right, I couldn't turn it over. Um, so I just kind of walked away from the intercounty league, and it was it was embarrassing for me at the time. I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm proud to talk about it now because, you know, it, it led to a lot of good things from that point on. So I went on and I just, I played senior ball with Peterborough and, and had a hell of a good time again. And I fell in love with the game later on that summer and had a lot of success playing in, in, in senior ball, but man, that was, that was like the worst experience I've ever had as a player, man. Just, looking over at Matty Logan and him just telling me, Hey man, just calm down. You got it. You got it. I couldn't even make a 40 foot throw. It was unbelievable. I'm pretty sure I had the yips for like two years after that. It was, it was brutal, man. But no, I, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you asked that question because it's something that I've kind of kept to myself for, for a number of years. And, you know, I, I'm all right talking about it and, uh, you know, talking to my players about it and letting them know that, you know what guys, it's, it's going to happen to you and, and, and you're going to fail. And, you're going to be at low points in your career and you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to walk away because you can't deal with, with your teammates and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's a game man. you love the game. You play it because you love the game. You play it because you want to succeed and so forth. So it was, a, it was a tough time, man. It was a real tough time. 
Yeah, I, and that's a good, you know, good point. You're talking about, you know, working with your kids and, and, and you know, it's it's not the end of the world if something happens. I mean, from your perspective, I, and I feel like it is from mine, and Noah may vouch for this as well, I feel like, you know, all the things that I learn about coaching, you know, teaching kids how to throw baseballs, things like that, I mean, that that is all great. But I feel like the thing that I, you know, I provide the most of to these athletes and probably resonate with them the most are the experiences and not the experiences by which where you're bragging about things that you may have done in your past. It's literally talking about those moments of failure or recognizing different situations and how to work through them. And I think that's very, very important as a coach, especially to, to give those types of stories, you know, just don't toot your own horn, talk about the, the moments where you fail. No doubt, man. And, and we get caught up in the hype a lot too, right? We're all, we're all guilty of it. it it's, it's, it's just a, a sense of comfort for a lot of us where we want to talk about the, oh, well, I played for the national team and I did this and I did this and I was drafted here. Yeah. You know what? Those are great accomplishments, right? And those will never be taken away from any other player because you did that as a player, but it's also about what got you there and what helped you accomplish those things. And it's failure, right? And, and, we need to be all right with that and, and let our players know that, you know, we're not perfect. And we did make mistakes just the same way you did. And we failed the same way you did. We walked the same walk that you did and we failed in the same fields that you failed on. Um, and it, it, it's good to know that because it gives them confidence. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build young men. We're trying to build young athletes uh, and, and young ladies as well. Um, and, and we need to make sure that we preach a point of failure. And it's not to tell them that, oh, get ready for this. You're, you're going to fail here. It, no, it's just to say at, cert, at a certain point in time in your career, you are going to fail and you are going to be at a low point and it's how you come out of it. And it's who you are after it. And that's what makes you the player that you are. That's, that's a big makeup for, for a lot of different kinds of players, right? So you, you hit the nail on the head where we, we do need to continue to preach that and not just talk about our successes, but talk about our failures freely um, and, and I hope to see that that continue to happen throughout all, all parts of, of our of our country in, in this game of baseball. Right. We're a small community. Right. So my failure with the with the Barry Baycats, uh, lots of people know about that. man. I, I'm not I'm not ashamed of it anymore. But, you know, I can't be naive to think that nobody knew about it or nobody was watching, because I'll tell you right now, I'm sure that there's some guys watching this right now. being like, oh, man, I remember that. That was tough. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was a really good point. And and no, yeah, uh, you go ahead. No, I was just going to ask another question, but please go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to say, it, and it's important too, right? I mean, we, we stand in front of these athletes every single day, yourself as a coach, myself and Ryan as a coach. And uh, I, I, I get kind of, I, I never get caught up in the fact that, okay, I, I have to tell them and legitimize why I'm teaching you this drill or why I'm telling you this. It's kind of like, I know that I failed at this once. And I don't want to see you fail at it. I'm going to try and put you on the right path. But again, at the end of the day, I know that there's going to be failures and I accept those failures and almost applaud them because at the end of the day, it's how you're coming out of them. And we see it. If you're doing a drill with a kid and you give them instruction and all of a sudden the first time they try and apply it, it's a failure. That That's great. That's what I want to see. And then the that's second, right. a little bit of a failure, but they're starting to get it. And then we step in as coaches and we kind of give them that story and we give them okay, this, this is what I want to see. This is how you do it. And let's try and do this. And, and us, I think we take way more pride in it as coaches than we did as players, because at the end of the day, as a player, you're like, 
Oh, it's great. I, I improved. And you see your coach over there kind of smiling and kind of clapping his hands and he's fired up. And you're like, why is he so fired up that I just got this one little drill right? Well, we know now as coaches from our playing experience is that's what we want to see with our athletes. And I guarantee you probably see that with the Mets and all the kids that you're coaching and we see it here. But how, how valuable is that? Again, um, just allowing allowing our kids to kids to almost fail and put themselves in a position and put, being able to put them on the right track and not overcoach or coach them up too much. Like, do you see that on a day to day basis when you're coaching with the Mets? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the Mets have done a really nice job at restructuring how we practice and, and you know, practicing with intent and, and you know, the, the message that we're driving home. But, yeah, we, we like to put our players in a position of failure. You know, we don't we do drills with complexity. We do drills with intent um, and we don't do it just to, to see you look good. We do it to see where you need to where you fail and where we need to work with you. You know, we don't come to the table with every single tool. So watching watching different players in, in different aspects, you know, fail, it, it really does open us up to, okay, now what can we do to help you succeed, right? So it it, it is definitely something that we look at. It, it's definitely something that we see. And, and when you do get that opportunity to see it finally click for a certain player and, and then turn it over, it's – it's a really nice moment. And it, it, yes, it's a mo nice moment for us, but it's also a nice moment for that player to recognize like, this is where I was before. And this is where, where I am now. And that whole progressional phase and the hard work that goes into it. Um, you know, and I've had a lot, a lot of nice, nice players, nice kids and, and top, top athletes in our program um, and, and watching them fail at their craft and, and, you know, overcome that and, become some of the players that they are now, it's phenomenal. I, I really do think that we pride ourselves as a coaching staff with the Mets uh, in doing that. And I know a lot of other programs do as well, but that positive reinforcement too, right? Coming, coming to work every day with that energy uh, because we don't know some of the stuff that these players are going through outside of those four walls, right? And we don't know what they're going through outside of those white lines. So when we bring those good vibes and we bring that positive energy, it really does help those guys see and understand the reason why we're teaching the things that we're teaching. Right. Um, and, and it, it really does open you up and open the player up to other avenues. Right. And, and they, they now can start coming to you with different things that they have or different issues that they're having outside of baseball. And, and that really helps us again, develop young men and good players and good athletes and young ladies and so forth. Right. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and and staying on the 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 top, you know, the uh, the topic of the Mets. Um, <clears throat> I think you know for for us, a lot of our athletes uh, here in Newfoundland, in particular, there's been a few that have gone away and have some experience with programs, you know, high performance programs. Uh, but most of the people here, um, they would have very limited uh, experience. You know, we have the Canada Games team or the under fifteen team, um, but those are uh that's kind of the extent of the programs they do a little bit of indoor training you know they did some stuff at an indoor soccer field for a little while and and now since we've opened in january this is their first real taste of of indoor baseball specific training can you talk a little bit about what the mets are doing with with the different teams with their indoor programs how often you're practicing you know some of the stuff you're utilizing i, I know i know the facility you're using it's not a giant facility um just talk to people about how using an indoor field for training you know <laughs> 
different than practice, right? I mean, just kind of getting in a little bit to how you use it. For sure. First of all, congratulations, guys. I think that that is a, a huge accomplishment in what you guys are doing out there on the East Coast. Um, you know, it, it's kind of making its way out this way. And, and you know, the stuff that you guys are doing out there, is, it's huge, right? It, it's huge. You're you're opening up baseball avenues for a lot of different kids out that way. And, and uh, it, it really does go a long way. So keep up the good work with what you guys are doing out there. But, um, you know, as it relates to the indoor facilities and, and what it, what it provides to us is it helps us build on that foundation, right? It, it really does help us build on that foundation. It helps us get close and, 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 and personal with these kids uh, to, to work on those developmental aspects of their games. Uh, we don't have the luxury of being outside 12 months of the year. I, I mean, I th- what do you guys get? Like three, four <laughs> months a year? <laughs> two, three, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's all we have, right? And, and that's all we can relate to. So being able to have state-of-the-art facilities and, and, and such a facility that we do with the Mets and, you know, different programs across, across Canada, it, it, it does a lot of justice for us. It allows players to come in and hit every single day. It allows players to take ground balls, fly balls, get their, their long toss and their care work in outside of just, you know, working out in the gym and hitting off a tee all the time. It, having an indoor facility and being able to train indoors is, is an asset uh, to your game. It, it really is. It's, you do tend to get a little bit of cabin, cabin fever because you want to be outside so badly. But, you know, once you overcome the fact that, you know, we'll get there, we'll get to April, we'll get to May soon and we'll be outside – you, you start to understand and you see the silver lining in what we're trying to do uh, in, in, in the indoors. So it really, really does help uh, with the development of, of players and, and different programs. And having that indoor facility is huge. It is really, really huge because without those indoor facilities, you're, you're, you're stale. You're, you're not working on anything in the winter months. So, you know, instead of being five steps behind your competition, which is the teams and, and players in the, in the, in the Southern U S or in the U S that are hotbeds and, and can go outside or on the West coast, it allows us to, to either stay in line with them or even surpass them in, in some instances. So, uh, you know, kudos to the Mets for, for all the work that they do um, and, and working hard in that facility. Uh, the, the guys that, that maintain that facility do a phenomenal job to make sure that the players have all the tools that they need to be successful. And that goes to, you know, that, that, that comment goes out to a lot of other programs, like I said, across Ontario and and other provinces, it really, really is huge, right? It it does nothing but wonders for us all. And you're coaching the 14U, 15U team. Is that correct? No, I actually moved up. So I was with the 16U team before I went off on my hiatus. I was doing a little bit of uh, some developmental work with with the younger kids coming into the Mets program. Uh, now I'm with uh, the 18U team this year, um, working alongside Chris Kemlo. Uh, he's he's a phenomenal coach in himself, and and what a what a background and a resume that that guy has. And um, yeah, so we're with the 18U squad. It's actually my second second go around with uh, Kemlo in the 18Us this year. Uh, you know, some real good athletes on that team, man. Some real, real good athletes with some good backgrounds and kids that I've been able to see come up since you know they were in the developmental program with me. So it's 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 and a good gets, time, man. For a little bit of uh, uh, I guess context into the schedule, I mean, can you uh, just let some of our athletes know, you know, what the 
what the schedule requirements are for for an 18u player playing at this level in terms of you know your winter training and your your fall or your spring trips and then the spring league you play in and then the summer circuit in the u.s right yeah yeah i mean starting you know if we start jan one right that's when we really start our indoor workouts these guys are in there four or five days a week right and, and that's that's a big portion of of their week right uh, and some guys are in there seven days a week and kudos to those guys who are in there getting their extra work in, but you know, we're in there five days, four or five days a week, uh, January to April, uh, April, May, and then we get outside and it's all of our interleague play. So we're playing every weekend. We play two games Saturday, two games Sunday with some games during the week. You know, you'll get your, your one nines in during the week and, and practices in between both indoor and outdoor. So there again, you're you're playing four to five days a week uh, with double headers on the weekend. It's a grind. It is. It's a grind for these guys, but it's a good kind of grind. Um, from that point on, then in July we move out. We start touring around to the U.S. For the latter part of July, where you're gone, right? You're you're traveling. You're you're going to different showcases, tournaments, things like that. Um, and uh, then then you come home in August and August is really a little bit of rest and recovery, especially for these 18 you guys are getting ready to go off to their their freshman year in college. Right. Getting ready to go into the fall grind, which we know, you know, from 430 in the morning until nine o'clock at night, it's it's school and baseball. Um, so it, it, it really does help us prepare to get to that point. Um, and then for the kids that are coming in through, you know, from the 17 U, 16 U team, then it's into fall ball. Right. So it's it's end of after the August long weekend, September, October, we're outside and, you know, the, we've got our our 10 day road trip, which we tour around, play a bunch of different colleges, junior colleges, other teams like that. Uh, that's a grind, too. It's it's 11 days on a bus and, and different schools and different hotels and, you know, eating out different spots, trying to stay healthy and then trying to stay on top of your schoolwork, too. Right. So it you know, from. January to, to December, it, it really is a grind. We, we stay on top of it 11, 11 months a year, right, um, with, with a little bit of downtime in August. So it, it is a grind. Were you, we've had a few guests on now that have gone through a few different programs and talked about, um, you know, the preparation and things they were missing when they got to school. I mean, going through the programs the way we did, did you feel prepared when you walked into college based on what you had gone through in your high school years in terms of play and travel with the rep programs and stuff like that? hundred percent. A hundred percent. I did. I, I had a lot, a lot of good coaches, man. I, I had an opportunity to play for some of the top coaches in this country. Um, and then I just, I had a lot of good teammates and mentors and guys that I got to play with that were older than us that we got to look up to. Um, so it, it really did help us prepare for that. And, and a lot of the coaches, you know, now, and, and even, even then they had the opportunity to play collegiate league baseball. They, they, you know, a lot of draft pick guys, guys that played in the minor leagues. So they knew what it was like to get there. Um, and they, they helped us prepare. So I, I of course I, I really felt good going into playing my first year of collegiate baseball and even getting there. You know, I had a room, my roommate, Kyle DeGrace, you know, he had done it before and, and he had, he's done a lot of good things with his playing career. So he helped me um, as his roommate, which I was a, I was a pain in the butt, but uh, you know, he really helped me when I got there as well. But I, I think as uh, you know, on, on the side of being physically ready, yeah. Being mentally ready. Yeah, of course, you know, like I said, a lot of good, a lot of good coaches and a lot of good mentors that really helped me get to that point. Yeah, and I mean, uh, 
like even down the line too, how valuable is it for you to share all of your experiences, not only with the kids that you have 18U, but spreading it amongst uh, like that Mets program and kind of giving back. I mean, your experience, I want to touch on very quickly. I'm going to backpedal a little bit, but your experience with the junior national team. I mean, not, not too many guys, especially in the baseball world can say that they put on the uh, team Canada colors and go out and actually be a part of that. You had the opportunity to work with a guy like Brett Lowry um, and a lot of, a lot of great names on those teams. Um, so how valuable is, is that when a kid say, let's say that a kid from the Mets is going to play the junior national team or getting in that program and then you being able to lend, lend your experience to him to prepare him to go down and go through that junior national team camp and potentially be on that world baseball, uh, that kind of JNT roster for the uh, <clears throat> world tournament. How valuable is that? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, you know, Coach Hamilton does a phenomenal job with the national team program. That, that guy is as good as it gets in, in baseball in Canada. He is, you know, had the top players in our country for the last, you know, I think he's been with the program 20 plus years. Uh, and, and he's done a phenomenal job. He's a, he's a fantastic individual and, and, and really, really taught every single player that comes through that program what it takes to get to the next level. Um, but, you know, having that experience and, and being down there with guys such as Brett and, you know, Les Williams and uh, different kinds of players who, who had the opportunity to play uh, pro baseball and, and things like that, to be able to relate to them and, and, you know, play on the same field as those guys and, you know, compete with them for your country is huge in itself. And being able to portray that to, the kids that are getting ready to go play for the national team and, and really help them understand, you know, what it means to represent your country and what it means to wear that red Jersey, man, is it, it helps them understand. It's an honor, right? And, and that, that's the first thing. It's an honor to be there. It's an honor to be a part of the program. But once you get past that fact, it's, it, it, you, you tell them when you get there though, it's time to work, right? Because those guys are always scouting. They're always looking for more players to make it, make an impression on that program and to help them succeed and, and eventually win a, a junior national or a junior championship, a world junior championship. Um, so being able to relate to those players and speak to them about stuff like that and um, helping them understand that, you know, when you go down there, you're going down there and you're playing against minor leaguers, you're going down there and you're facing, you know, a, a big old Dominican dude that's throwing 96, 97 miles an hour and probably doesn't have a clue as to where it's going, but you got to dig in and get ready. Um, you know, going down there and playing against guys who are now in, in the big leagues and, 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 you know, representing your country while doing that, it, it's a lot, man. It, it, it can be a lot and it can be a little bit overwhelming at times, but the, the, the kids start to get it, you know, and, and they start to understand and it clicks for some and, and a lot of them, it clicks for them while they're in that program. They really find out from, they find them from themselves that holy smokes, man, I'm elite and I can play and I can hang and I can do this stuff. So, you know, the, the, the thing that team Canada does in terms of preparing their players and getting them down there and playing against a lot of these minor league teams and players, it, it, it the preparation is phenomenal, man. Like we've, we've had some really great kids go through that program uh, Andy Yerzy, Landon Leach, Ryan Leach, uh, Noah Hall, different kinds of players 
uh, going through that program that, that have really, really succeeded in their craft and done a phenomenal job. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a shortfall. There are a ton of other players from the Mets program that have gone through that, uh, gone through the junior national ranks. But, you know, it, it really is special to be a part of it. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll, it's one thing you'll never forget as, as a young athlete and a young baseball player for sure. So, yeah, my uh, just before we wrap up here, so what are, again, we've asked pretty much every one of our guests sort of, what's one thing that an athlete can be working on right now? And I'll specifically stick to kind of the hitting side with yourself, but what's something that the athletes can be doing right now at home that'll help them when we get through this, uh, through this time, this very awkward time right now? What's one thing that you can lend to the athletes that are listening to this? Listen, it's a tough time, right? We all know that and we, we, we understand that. But now is really a time to, you know, do a lot of self-reflection, um, do a lot of video, watch a lot of video, uh, watch what the guys are doing in the big leagues, watch what guys are doing in college and how they train and prepare. It, it's, it, listen, the, the videos and, and the literature is, is abundantly available. Um, you know, we all have cell phones and computers and things like that. So, you know, study the game. Right. Understand the game, understand how to walk the walk and, and what it takes to work to get to the next level, because uh, when, when this is all said and done and the dust settles and it's time to go, you got to be ready to go because we're going to flip the switch and get ready to go. Right. So, you know, don't let this time that we aren't playing or practicing or doing anything bring you down. It's, it's a time to work. It really is a good time to work. There's you know, a bunch of different things that people are posting all over social media and different challenges and things like that. But that's all fine and dandy. But I, I still think it's a good time to work. There's things that we can do at home, whether it's just standing in the mirror and, and working on, you know, different kinds of movements with your body and working on your hands and, and you know, taking a ball and doing the old school way, man, and just working short hops off the wall and working on your feet. It, it, it really is a good time to as an individual to prepare on your own. Um, you know, and the coaches are always there, you know, we're always, we're always there. We're a phone call, an email, a text message away. Um, uh, and, and like I said, now with, with technology, we could, we could talk via video and, and, you know, make adjustments and do certain things like that. Uh, you know, now we've got all this blast motion and stuff like that. You know, there's a bunch of data that things that these guys can go back and look at and, and really help them understand where, where they were at and, and what they can do moving forward. I think now is also a good time to set some good goals for yourself as a player and, yeah. you know, note some things down and, and, you know, understand where you are and where you want to go and your path and what it takes to get there. Uh, we, again, we talked a lot about, you know, the mental side of, of baseball. I think now is a really good time to, to, to mentally prepare and get stronger mentally. Um, Gyms are closed. So what, you know, go outside, go run, go, go do some, some pull-ups on a tree, like whatever the case may be, be creative with this time. Right. And, and those who do that will be the ones that are very successful when this is all said and done. Right. And I know that it's, it can be easier said than done at times, but this really is, this could be a special time for a lot of players. Yeah. I think that you're, you're kind of hitting it. It's, it's being self-motivated right now. And when we come out of this and we do have to flip the switch on, you'll see which athletes took this break seriously and didn't sit on the couch and play Fortnite for, I mean, it could be two, three months, right? I mean, if you, you, it, it'll, it'll be noticeable for sure. Um, I guess just before we let you go, Kyle, I mean, I, I forgot to bring it up earlier, um, but uh, 
why don't you let everyone know about your Newfoundland connection that you have? Yeah, uh, had my first tour to the Rock. Uh, my grandfather is from from Engle. Uh We took we went we took a tour down there in August, uh, I believe 20, 2017. So I had my first experience of the East Coast. Man, it, it was beautiful. I'll tell you, it's it's so nice to go out there. You know, we hear so many stories from from my mom and, and my uncles and my cousins and stuff like that of what it was like, you know, being out there. And, and just I remember stories from my grandfather and, you know, some of the stories, they feel a little bit like they're made up getting chased by bears and, you know, all those funny Newfie <laughs> stories. man. But I'll tell you, it, it really is an honor to uh, to have that in my bloodline and, and, you know, to see what you guys are doing out there and, you know, I can't wait to make a trip out there and, and get with you guys and get to work with you guys on some of the stuff that you're doing because, you know, you, you can't forget your roots, right? So uh, it, it, it's great to know that that what you guys are doing and, and that, you know, I can have a small piece in it. And that's that's a part of part of where I come from. So, you know, congratulations, guys, on what you're doing and, and, and keep up the good work. No, thank you very much, yeah. Colin. We'll, we'll definitely have you here, buddy. Yeah, awesome. 100%. And I think, I think too, I think uh, just to kind of end this on a later note, I think, I mean, all that resiliency that you had, I think that comes from that new people. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're fighting tooth and nail every day. I mean, we, we nobody, uh, no other baseball players, I think in Canada face more adversity than somebody uh, that has played here or has that background. So definitely that yeah. definitely helped, helped you get over uh, some of those hurdles. But uh, yeah, before we finish up, anything else uh, that you wanted to touch on or uh, we don't have any questions right now in the queue, but anything that you just wanted to leave with our athletes, leave with our viewers to kind of uh, let them know or just a message that you want to share? Yeah, man. like I said before, just like keep working hard, guys. Uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, set goals, understand where you want to be, understand where you are as an athlete. Uh, and don't stop working. Don't stop leaning on the people that, that, that are around you and the coaches that you have, because, you know, they've experienced a lot of things in their lives and uh, understand at the end of the day, this is a game, right? And, and this is a game that we love and cherish. And it's a small, small community that we have here. So, you know, continue to network yourselves as young athletes and, and you know, especially to us coaches too, right? Just because somebody else is wearing a different jersey or from a different program, doesn't mean that we can't lean on them too. And you see that a lot more now uh, in Ontario specifically, but, you know, let's continue to grow this game, man. It's a beautiful game. And I think that uh, as a collective, we're doing a really nice job of growing that game and, and the things that we're doing. So let's just keep pushing forward and, and see what we can do. Awesome. Thank you, Kyle, very much. Definitely. Awesome, fellas. Appreciate it. All right. All right, guys. Thanks again, Kyle. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for everybody watching. You can catch us on replay on our Facebook page. Thanks again, Kyle. And have a great day, guys. Take care, guys. Right, Stay safe. safe. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Bye.